Welcome to the Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chapman. Today we are talking about our season preview for the Detroit Lions as they get set to host the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. So we are recording on a Sunday, and we are going to release it tomorrow. Um, And by this time next week, we will be getting ready for the Detroit Lions to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, we are having our season preview. We talked to Joshua Cade of the Honolulu Blue Fan Cave. Um, he had a great. He, we had great conversation. Um, we're going to talk about the projections for the NFC North. We're going to get to the players to watch, the strengths, the weaknesses. What do you have to see from the Detroit Lions to get excited? That will be all on the Detroit Lions News podcast. Welcome to Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm here with Joshua Cade uh, from the Honolulu Blue Fan Cave. I got that right. Honolulu Fan Cave. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I got I got it wrong, so that's... <laughs> you know, you have the color right. <laughs> well, see, I, I, I try to do my best Bob Quinn impersonation and just get shit wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so... Me and you were talking off the off the right off the you know off the radar or whatever, and we were talking about what we were going to talk about. So I'm going to get you start. I'm going to get started with it. This year, the Lions have a little bit of they have expectations that are low and high, and people think they're going to be going over the win total. Do you think they will? And, and if I remember, I think the win total set at is it set at six and a half right now? Yeah, six and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm right in between with how everything looks right now. I've been juggling between six and seven this whole offseason. So, I mean, right now, I'm really thinking that seven and ten is really achievable just because we play the Bears twice a year. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know what ESPN is on where they're thinking the Bears are going to go 11 and six. But, I mean, they're smoking some good kush over there. Did you see them claim everybody off waivers? I'm pretty sure they claimed Martha Stewart off waivers, too. Yeah, Martha Stewart. (laughs) Maybe. Listen, the Bears are going to be horrible. I think that we both can agree with that. And like I've been saying all along on the podcast is like Minnesota for as good as they have with Justin Jefferson, Delvin Cook. I mean, Delvin Cook can't stay healthy, but if you look at their defense, that defense is old as hell. Oh, for sure. I think that's a, that's a big issue. I think the Packers are going to be the division winner, obviously, unless something really just falls apart there. But I don't know, man. Like I've been kind of like pushing like this whole narrative that I think that the Lions could be second in the NFC North, and it just yeah. going to happen. We've actually been pushing around the same thing. I mean, you have the Bears in the division. The Vikings are always hit or miss, and I mean, with how old their team is, it's just not really. They need to go into full rebuild. Like this draft, they really went quantity over quality players too. Mm-hmm. Um, where they just thought, you know, the more hits we get, the more picks we get, the more hits we'll get. And yeah. I mean, in theory, that works, but you also have to choose those quality players, which is why, like, you know, but going, yeah, the Green Bay has the best shot, but I think, if anything, we probably, just because of their defense, right? But if anything, we probably have the second best shot of winning the division, which is why I think we come in in second, if not third place, just because the Vikings still do have a pretty solid roster. Yeah, I like the Vikings roster. Like, they got a rookie, Jalen Naylor from Michigan State, you know? He looks like he could be the real deal. I mean, I watched him at Michigan State. He looks pretty good. I mean, but I just can't get away from their defense. And then you look at it, and, like, the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers have something that can really give both those teams big-time issues, and that's a pass rush. Like, if you you look at those offensive lines, like, neither one of them scares you. I mean, even as good as Green Bay's offensive line might be, they don't even scare you a little bit because they're always injured and Bakhtiari is always injured. So, like, when you look at the Lions, like, I, I like when they drafted Hutchinson, right? I was like, that was a slam dunk pick because I really, I, it was either Kate, it was Thibodeau or Hutchinson. That was it. I, everyone was in this Trayvon Walker type uh, love affair. <laughs> and I didn't even think he was the best player on Georgia's team. By far, I thought, I thought Jordan was, Davis was. Yeah, Jordan Davis. I mean, Jordan Davis made everyone's life a living. He made it easy. Like, I mean, like people love the Kobe Dean, 
I mean, imagine being the middle linebacker and your defensive tackle is like almost 400 pounds and has the speed of like oh for sure a linebacker. You know, it's like that's that's a gift from God. You know. Yeah, and I think we're gonna start seeing a lot of those smaller, faster linebackers in the NFL where it's like Malcolm Rodriguez and Nicobe Dean, where they're a little bit undersized. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like those hybrid types that can do really anything. Yeah, um, I, I, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you hit on. I'm glad you hit on that because this whole anomaly that Mike, Malcolm Rodriguez is too small for the game and everything. I think that's a load of bull. To be honest. Yeah, it's really going to be like the player. I mean, you had Stephen Tollett, Kaiser White. Um, not many. Well, not a lot of guys you can name, but those are a couple of guys that are just you know a little bit undersized that play that just play ball. And if you can play ball, you're going to have a spot on any team. Like, I don't care who you are. If you can go out there, you can play ball, you can catch the ball, tackle, do whatever. As long as you can do it well, you're going to find a spot on a team. Yeah, like I told people before, um, you know, I obviously I follow hockey a lot. And, like, it used to be where your defenseman was 6'3", 6'4", tall as shit, can knock you into into next next year. (laughs) And now you're starting to see these smaller, faster – guys that can be shifty, get the puck out of the zone. I think the linebackers are heading that way too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, if, you, if, if you like look at like if you look at like the uh offenses that are coming into the NFL from the college game, like smaller, shiftier, faster. Yeah, you're starting to see those smaller, shiftier I mean even Alabama, like they used to get guys that were like uh six five and like two hundred and fifty five pounds. Kevin White wasn't Kevin White played for Alabama, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he was a perfect example. Yeah, the, the Alabama had these big, just bulky guys that were kind of slow, and it was like, and then and mm-hmm. Nick Saban's like, "Holy shit, we we actually need to get some speed on the field." That's when they went smaller. Yeah. I mean, if you look, if you look like a Ohio State, like they have never had like this you know, big linebacker. They've always had smaller linebackers. Yeah. And they send a lot of them to the pros too. Yeah, a lot of them are usually like third or fourth round picks. But, I mean, being a draft pick in general is honestly an amazing accomplishment for any NFL player or for any, yeah, really any NFL player. So Yeah, and, you know, the interesting thing about it is, like, I've been interviewed by, uh, like, professional football teams or whatever. For various like analytics and all that stuff, like I have a scouting background or whatever. And the one thing they ask is like, do you, the one thing they ask is, and when I this is this is interesting because when I interviewed for the Rams job, uh, Brad Holmes was the guy who interviewed me, right? So he asked me, he asked me like, what is something that you look for in a linebacker? And I said speed. He's like, that's a good, that's a good answer because like I think that's what they're all looking for, speed. And when you look at Malcolm Rodriguez, he kind of fits that mold. Yeah. And I mean, with, with me, whenever I look at linebackers, yeah, speed's gonna, being able to get this from sideline to sideline is definitely one of the things. But another thing that I definitely look for is, I mean, for me, it's really all in your base and all in your hips. How well do you rotate and how well can you get from, um, how well can you do in coverage? I mean, yeah. those guys, they got to be able to cover too. And yeah, the, I mean, yeah. The, the one thing that, like, I always, like try to get in through people's head is like when you look at look at these linebackers like the best linebackers in, in the NFL like you know Demario Davis he's not the most athletically gifted guy but he's just smart like he's smart the way he plays the game you know what I'm saying yeah Ray Lewis was the same way and then you got Fred Warner and um in San Francisco Luke and Keekley wasn't super fast yeah it, the, you just got to be smart like I I that's the one thing, like, you can't really teach. Like, you know, like, I think what the Detroit Lions have done for years, especially with Bob Quinn, was they drafted way, like, they. I don't even think they knew how to draft, to be honest. <laughs> I was talking to someone a couple of days ago or whatever, and he's a scout for the Tennessee Titans. And um, I was talking to him because, you know, he's a good friend of mine or whatever. And we were talking, and he was like, I'm glad you guys got rid of that that buffoon named Bob Quinn. I was like, yeah, you know, I, everyone knows he's a buffoon, you know, everyone. But he says, like, when Justin when Justin uh, Herbert was like, going through the draft process or whatever, and they picked Akuda that year, third overall, 
uh, one of the things that stood out to him was because he was like, "Are you guys gonna pick Justin, you know, Herbert?" And they're, they're like, "No, he's not even like the fifth ranked quarterback." And you know who they had ahead of Herbert? Oh man, I don't even hardly remember the draft class anymore. Oh. Jordan Love. Yeah, that oh that was the same class, wasn't it? Yeah, Jordan Love was the guy that they had ahead of oh, Herbert. Man. So I mean, that just shows you how like kind of messed up that whole regime was. Yeah. And I think that our current regime is definitely more potential based rather than, um, you know, like Rashawn Slater versus Penny Sewell. Sewell has a higher ceiling, but you knew Slater was going to be a probably a Pro Bowl guy coming right into the NFL. Or Penny Sewell just has that potential to become that top three offensive tackle in the league. I'm not saying that he is currently, but he has that potential. Oh, no, you, where, you're right. Yeah. yeah where, you're... And that's a great way to draft. You draft guys with higher floors that also have higher ceilings. Yeah, well, that's what I, you know, when I talk on the, on the Rubbings podcast, I do. Uh, it's a red alert. It's a Rubbings podcast and everything. But CVY does the same thing. Like, when he drafts players, like, he'll, he'll hit on a, a guy that has a low floor, like a medium floor, to where if he does not, live up to expectations just not that bad he can live with it but they have a high ass potential and like if you look at what brad holmes has done through his like whole regime like that's what he's that's the same thing he's done like what you said with Rashawn slater like obviously slater was going to be a guy who you could be like yeah that guy's gonna be a pro bowl right out the gate but if you look at sewell like that guy is probably going to be a top tackle pretty soon yeah for sure and i mean Sewell, he's already. I I don't agree with some people putting him over or putting Slater over Sewell just yet. I think it's just because of the team that Slater plays for. Oh, uh, that's that's, ex- that's exactly why they put Slater ahead of Sewell. Like, I mean, if Slater wasn't playing with Justin Herbert, you probably wouldn't hear much from him. Yeah, that's just the reality. And he plays and he plays in LA, and it's it's a media market. <laughs> that's 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 what it is. Like I, people, I don't think people know how good Penny Sewell can be. Yeah, I think they kind of they kind of uh, they think he can be good. Uh, obviously, he was one of the top tackles in his draft class, but I don't think they know how. Like he's he's a smart guy. Like he's just smart. He knows what he's doing, and it's it, it's, it's pretty interesting because he went from left tackle to right tackle, and he's doing the same thing he did at Oregon. He's just crushing guys. And, I mean, even against T.J. Watt, he had some honestly pretty amazing reps. There was some where it was like, eh, what are you doing? But there was also a lot of reps where he was like, okay, well, you can definitely see the potential. I mean, T.J. Watt, 22 and a half, what do you have, 22 and a half sacks last year, 22 think, sacks last year? Yeah, I think so, yep. Which is just should go already should show you where, I mean, if you're only getting – if I'm the Lions and I have Penny Sewell, if I'm giving up one sack or a half sack in that game, like in any game against the Steelers, I would be ecstatic. I would be jumping off a cliff. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's the one thing that I like about what Brad Holmes did, drafting Aiden Hutchinson second overall. Because I really think that, like, them going against each other in practice, it's going to make them both way better players. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, you have still have Charles Harris and – I mean, despite, you know, Jeff Risden's burrito bet, you still have Romeo Okbara probably coming back around midseason. That's honestly like a, a pretty nasty pass rush. Yeah, I think I think Romeo Okbara is the, the hidden, like he's, he's like the guy who is like the real unknown. But the guy like the guy I focus on because I think he could be really, really good. And I think when he when he came into this this team, he came in under Patricia. It was a dark... Austin Bryant? No. Julian O'Quarr. Oh, I think I knew Ju- it was going to be one of the two. <laughs> I think I think Julian could be like I think he could be a freak because I watched him at Notre Dame. Some of the things he can do. I mean, he was raw as hell when he came out. Yeah, he was very very raw, and it, it didn't help that he was being coached by a freaking buffoon and Patricia. <laughs> but he gets he now he's with a, a a coaching staff that actually like knows their stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that brings me to my next point. I don't know what you think about Jeff Okuda, but like, I'm kind of thinking that he's this is gonna be like a breakout year for him. Yeah, I mean, after like, I don't try and read too much into preseason games, but 
having two P, I think he had two B PBs. I know he had one against George Pickens that was going into the end zone, yeah. but I'm pretty sure he actually had another one during the game too. I mean, honestly, being able to play two quarters and and be able to just dominate like he did, um, and I mean, in other games he hasn't looked too, he hasn't looked shabby. Like he's been going up against some decent guys, and I mean, he, I think he's primed for a breakout year too. He's honestly looks a lot cleaner in coverage than he has in years past. He'll obviously, I think at least will still make some rookie mistakes just because he hasn't really had the opportunity to play as much. But I mean, he's definitely primed for something. If he can stay healthy, that's the biggest thing. With him. Yeah, I think, but I think that Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant, I think those guys are like, I think those guys are critical in this development because I think that, you know, like if he was under Patricia, I don't think he'd be the same player. Oh, no. I think I think with Aaron Glenn, with Aubrey Pleasant, like you've seen what they did with undrafted free agents last year, and Amani Oriwarie. Yeah, Oriwarie looked like like a like a pick artist last year. I mean, if oh, Jeff Okuda is just good, that could be a better secondary than we kind of imagine. Yeah, and I mean, it, and, I mean, we still have Will Harris back there too, and a lot of people don't necessarily like Will Harris, but in, at cornerback, he's been. He's been more than serviceable. I wouldn't be sad to see the Lions bring him back, and they could probably get him on like a two-year, four million dollar deal. Honestly, yeah, it's, everyone hates Will Harris. I, I don't know why, but they probably hate him because of how he played safety when he was safety. But for me, yeah. I mean, him, him at corner is a pretty good idea because like he's a he's a fighter, and I think that when you're a corner in the NFL, if you play in the slot, especially, I mean, I think you can learn a lot from Mike Hughes, who's on the roster too. Yeah, and I mean, something, that, and this is kind of moving to the offensive side of the ball, something that we've been saying is that, um, at least on our podcast, is that having J-Mo, having Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown, Swift, and Hawkinson on the field at the same time, that is literally going to be overkill. That's where I'm thinking that when we had mentioned, like, this, the over-under, where do we think the Lions are going to be, the offense is actually what's putting me at that seven-win mark. Mm-hmm. And if the defense follows it up, and Jared Goff, plays like he should at least averaging probably 25 points a game with this offense because if he doesn't, he sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you could probably put Colin Kaepernick back there and he'd score or have 25 points, 25 yeah, I, points a game. I, I, so. I Like I was, I tell people on my podcast all the time, especially on the YouTube, I, I put a YouTube thing out like, how the hell do you defend all these guys? Like yeah. you, have, you have Hawkinson going up the middle. You have DJ Chark going down the sides. You have Amon Ra going down, up the mid, down the middle. You probably have Josh Reynolds on the side. And then when JMO comes back, that's another added weapon. Like, who, who are you? Who are you going to double team, and who are you just going to leave one on one? Yeah, and I mean, you, and you, you know, we for, just have too many weapons. You know for sure they're not leaving JMO one on one when he comes back. Like, or DJ Chark, or TJ Hawkinson, right? Because they DeAndre know, Swift. <laughs> yeah, they they know someone's gonna. They're gonna have to leave someone open, and that person's probably gonna be Amara, to be honest. Yeah, and he's just gonna, yeah. I mean, like even Josh Reynolds, like if he's left one on one, like I think he could be a guy who like he has a connection with golf. I don't know what it is, but when he came into the offense, like it looked totally different. Yeah, and it's probably just because they had that connection from the Rams days where they had played together before, and he came here, and he was like, "I've never played with any of you guys." And then finally gets a familiar face and then just balls out, balls to the wall. He had a little connection with Quintez Cephas. And that, that made sense. Like, we're not even talking about Quintez Cephas. Like, Quintez Cephas is, like, the most underrated player on his team, I think. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to see him cut when JMO comes back. But, I mean... See, I, I definitely think, think it could be a big piece. It just really I is. Think, I think they're going to keep six wide receivers when Jamie Will comes back. That's what I've been kind of on and off about because I don't think they keep nine offensive linemen heading into this. No, I, I think I think Quintus Cephas, his connection with Goff before he got injured was pretty it's pretty good. But I think what Quintus Cephas kind of, you know, signals himself apart is how smart he is, you know. He's not fast. He's not, like, the most gifted player. But he's just smart the way he plays the game. Like kind of like an Anquan Bolden type, you know? Yeah, he's quicker than he is fast. I don't know if you saw this. I mean, a lot of people probably didn't see this stat. I want to say in terms of how long it took a receiver to get 10 yards down the field, he was ranked 10th in the NFL. Um, where he was doing it in one either 
exactly two seconds or it was like 1.8 1.9 and this was like i i want to say it was off of press coverage so he's 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 like a sneaky fast guy yeah i can't remember the exact number but i knew he was top 10 yeah so that's 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 like you look at this offense and it's just there's talent on talent on talent you know i I don't see a way that this this offense isn't a top 10 offense to be honest and if it isn't, I mean, that's 100%. Unless there's freak injuries like there was last year. It's, yeah. it's 100% on Goff. This is literally Goff's year to put out or shut out. I mean, like. Yeah, it's a make or break he, season. Yeah. Yeah. If he doesn't play, if he plays average this season, we're going to be picking a new quarterback. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, for He's sure. going to have to put up at least Kirk Cousins. That's Kirk, Kirk Cousins numbers. I was, at least I was listening to the local radio or whatever. And I don't know if you know who Mike Valenia is or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's he's kind of he's on this lion's kick where like he actually thinks they're gonna do well this year, which is strange because he never he never thinks that. But uh, like he was he was doing the comparison like if Jared Goff is, is is better than he was last year, but in the middle kind of of his 2018 year with the Rams, <laughs> like that yeah. could be that could be like really freaking scary because that year he, he threw 38 touchdowns. Yes, last year I think he threw like what was it, twenty or nineteen or whatever. Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. So if he, if I mean, imagine if he gets like twenty-seven touchdowns. I mean, you know, you know, Swift is going to get his fair share of touchdowns. You know, Jamal Williams is going to get his fair share of touchdowns. Yeah. And if, and if the defense is just a little bit better than we think, I think that could be a huge, huge thing. Speaking of, I just had a trade go through on fantasy. You got to tell me how you like of this, bro. <laughs> I got Christian McCaffrey for T. Higgins, and uh, it literally just went through for T. Higgins and um, uh, Antonio Gibson. <laughs> See, I'm an Antonio Gibson fan. I like Antonio Gibson. I like too. But I have Najee Harris and Javante Williams on that team too. Oh, so you got a killer backfield now? Yeah, for sure. Do you have um, good Do you have good wide receivers or no? I mean, I kind of. I have. Darnell Mooney and Alan Lazard. Oh, but I mean, yeah. NFC, yeah. NFC North special. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to be a lot better in fantasy, though, which is why. Oh, I, yeah. I've got... Well, I mean, Justin Fields has no one to throw to, but Darnell. <laughs> exactly. And, so. and Alan Lazard, you know, he's going to be Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> main target. So, to say the least, yeah. I mean, he, I think Romeo Dubs is going to be a, a, a hell of a player for Aaron Rodgers when he kind of develops, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, one question I have for you, too, and and this is just kind of going off the whim. So, I mean, with the Lions and their defensive, on their defensive side, right, where is probably the one area that you think is the weakest? I know there's a lot of people that are, like, in between linebacker and safety, but ever since Rodrigo started to surface, they're like, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, personally, I am still a little bit, but (laughs) where are you thinking that's going to be the weakest position? I I like the way you asked me the question. That's good. Because, like, for me, personally, the one thing I worry about the most is the defensive tackles. And I know that's – I know people like Ali McNeil. I like Ali McNeil. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to have a breakout year, in my opinion. But behind him. But, like, if they can't be able – if they can't stop the run up the middle and they're getting pushed around and then they're not – like, they're not playing up to their level of play and you're, dub- you're double on Hutchinson, you're double on Charles Harris – and they're just running up the gut. Like, that's the worst. That's that's the worst fear I have. Because, like, yeah. you watch that Atlanta Falcons game, and they were just running at will. And it, it got better when they when they played at Pittsburgh. And you, you, you've seen that maybe, okay, maybe this team does have a defense and they can stop the run. But, like, I'm still, like, that's my major worry. Because I think when you build a team, it's built up the middle. You know what I'm saying? Like, your middle linebacker, your defensive tackles are absolutely freaking huge, especially in a division that features Delvin Cook and Aaron Jones. Oh, for sure. I mean, you just added Benito. Um, You just added Benito, but, I mean, he's not really – he's definitely more, I feel like, a borderline. Yeah, borderline 53-man roster guy, too. Yeah, he he barely – he got shipped out of town, but – Miami's doing some weird. Miami's doing some weird things with the roster. I, I don't even understand some of the stuff that they're doing. 
like they're they're thinking about trading Mike Gusecki. Uh, that was one of the rumors that came out like yeah. late last week, or whatever. I'm like, why would you trade Gusecki when you have Tua Tungvaloa and you just got Tyreek Hill, like and Jalen Waddle. And- right. I mean, I know you. I know it comes down to money, but like, Jesus, Pete's like. You, didn't get, they just franchise tag him too? Yeah, they were franchise tagging him, and then they were like, "Well, maybe we can't reach a deal with this guy." But it's like, <laughs> but it's like, if you, you got to find the money to to help out your quarterback, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, especially over the next couple of years with this Amazon deal. So, yeah, well, the captain to be going up. So. I'm not yeah. even like that. I want to say in 2024, it's projected to be at 245 or 250, which is absolutely absurd. I don't, I don't doubt it at all. I mean, do you look at some of these, the money that's being thrown around for quarterbacks? Like, I would hate to be Baltimore right now. Like, I know we're <laughs> we're, we're doing a Lions podcast, but I would hate to be Baltimore right now. Like, you have to give Lamar Jackson a huge ass contract, and. He's a running quarterback, and there's nothing wrong being a running quarterback. But like, when that speed goes away, and he has to throw from the pocket, that might be the most brutal contract that you probably will ever sign. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll definitely hurt the Ravens a little bit. But yeah, like Kyler Murray, like that was like the I was like, what the hell, dude. Mine was Christian Kirk. <laughs> oh, the Jacksonville throwing around boo boo box. Yeah, I'm happy that we didn't do that. I mean, honestly, I was kind of upset we didn't get um, – oh, man, I'm forgetting his name. He went to the Ravens, too. Safety. Oh, Marcus um, Williams? Yeah, I was super upset that we didn't get him, but just because were, of the the money he got paid for. It, they, were in, they were in on him from what I heard. They were in on him to the very end. And then want to come here. Baltimore came with this, this offer that, honestly, he really can't refuse because – He's going to a great team that's in the contention, and he's going and playing in front of a defense that's notoriously good all the time. Oh, for sure. Like I don't think that in my lifetime I've never seen a Baltimore Ravens defense where they're not like total dogs, you know. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping the Lions could do because, like, you look at the Lions and you look at the players that they drafted the last two years, like Hutchinson. Like Rodrigo, like Derek Barnes, like those are guys that I think that you really can build off of. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of guys that you can build off of on the Lions. I mean, you just have guy after guy after guy. I mean, Olin McNeil, if Levi heals up, he would be a guy that, I mean, honestly, that back injury, though, is kind of concerning me. But once Pascal comes back, he could be a threat. I mean, you have Aiden Hutchinson, Charles Harris, Romeo Guara. Austin Bryant, Julian O'Quara. I mean, honestly, we have a lot of guys that can that would honestly like go out and probably be, if not starters, they would be rotational guys on other teams. Well, I totally agree. I, I think that well, you just hit it on the heel. Like, that there's guys that are on the roster that I, I think that if they went anywhere else, they would definitely be a rotational piece. I think a guy like Charles Harris, so I think in the right defense, I think that he would be like a starter though. Oh, he's a starter on our defense. <laughs> I hate I hate when people yeah. make this I hate when people make this comparison. They're like, well, he plays for Lions. Of course he's gonna start. I'm like, well, if you put him on the Chiefs, he's gonna start. Yeah. If you put him on the Ravens, he's gonna be a rotational piece. Like if you put him on the uh Pittsburgh Steelers, they're gonna put him opposite of TJ Watt. Yeah. Like like you, you can't you everyone says you know it's all he's just starting because of the Lions. I hate that. That's stupid. That's stupid. Especially Deshaun yeah. Elliott. Especially when they signed Deshaun Elliott. They're like, well, the Ravens didn't want him. Well, did you see who the Ravens signed? Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton. He just didn't have a place. Yeah, well, that's Mar- all it was. Marcus Williams took his spot. That's where. That's where he. That's why he got like. Yeah. So Marcus Williams is just absurdly good. So when you get an upgrade like Marcus Williams, you're like. Well, we don't need you, dude. We're just gonna draft a free. We're gonna draft a kid from Notre Dame and let it roll. <laughs> that's what the sure. ba- that's what the Baltimore Ravens do. But I think Elliott's gonna be vastly underrated this year. Go, go fight some Irish. <laughs> right, exactly. So we're we're running out of time. 
but I want to get what's your what's the biggest thing that you're looking for this year? So the biggest thing I want to see, and I think Campbell put it best whenever he was talking, I want to see constant improvement throughout the year. I mean, I want to see that in all phases of the game. Now, if you're looking for like one position group that I want to see, I mean, I'm not worried about our offense in all honesty. I mean, our defense, I want to see our secondary do well. And then for our offense, if we're talking about anybody, I want to see Jared Goff do what he can do. He needs to get out of his head because he has all the talent to go out and be a great quarterback, but he's in his head too much. And so the second he gets off out of his head and daydreaming about Christian Harper and his, and his dreams or in his, while he's playing quarterback, that's when he'll be legitimately, I think he could be a threat to be a top 10 quarterback, but I mean, he has to, he has to do well, but secondary and quarterback, I need to see do well this year. And I just want to see, I don't care if they're not doing amazing every single week, but if I see constant improvement from week to week, that's really where I want to be with the Lions this year because we already have the youngest team in the NFL, literally the youngest team in the, the youngest 53-man roster in the NFL. So if you see constant improvement, that gives me faith going into next year. We still have two first-round picks next year and every other pick. That's going to be scary. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So that's where I'm at it with it, at least. I mean, I, I, really quick, what do you want to see about the Lions this year, too? Uh, what do I want to see from the Lions? Um, yeah, I know. Usually the host does the asking. <laughs> no, I, I know. I, I was, I'm like, like but no, like, I think, um, you know, like what I'm looking for more, uh, you know, what I'm looking for kind of a little bit is just, I want to see Jared Goff plays the right way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think the one thing that we've we've seen for a long time is um, is he can be really good at times, but then he just at sometimes he's like just he's not the best. You know? Yeah. I like, think Matthew Stafford would be ecstatic to have this team. Yeah, I think I think he, I think if Matthew Stafford was on this team, it'd be a totally different conversation. You know? Yeah, and it sounds terrible to say too, but I mean, legitimately, it's it's true. I, this is the team that I wish that Matthew Stafford had. Like all, all my time, I, every year I would be defending Matthew Stafford, and like last year it was like my rude awakening kind of scenario, because I was like everything I said came true. I was like, if you get this guy a defense and you get him a run game, he could be deadly. You know, he could lead you to the promised land. And people were like, no, nah, he, he fuck, you know, Stafford, blah, blah, blah. You know how it is. And I was like, no, seriously. And then last year, I seen it for myself. Everyone's seen it. That was a Lions fan. They're, and now, and now like, you're like, I told you. But I really didn't want to be right there. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those scenarios where you're like, you know, I really didn't want to be right, but I told you so. It's kind of like those arguments you'll have with your girlfriend where it's like, Man, I really told her. I really told her this about three days ago, and then, <laughs> and then it happens, and then you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to say I told you so." Basically, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I was like, I hope, like, I, I just, I hope that, like, I'm wrong. Like, I was like, I hope I wrong, I'm wrong. And then when it, <laughs> when it happened, I was like, holy crap! Like, I, I, I just, I, I can't even believe like what just happened. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. And the the worst part about it, and I I don't know if you, like I don't know if you feel the same way or whatever, but like, but like when I was like when I was watching that team, I was like, the Rams. I was like, man, Jared Goff, he he could do some damage with this team too. I just felt oh, like yeah. I just felt like that. Uh, I felt like uh, that. Uh, there's certain quarterbacks who will just put you just over that hump where, you know, there are certain guys that will be able to get you to that hump and then they'll be able, they can sometimes just barely crease the top of it. But then when you're ready to start rolling downhill and when you're ready to start rolling and rolling, like it just doesn't work out. And some guys can just never get it going. They're like, they're always fighting this uphill battle. And usually it's with their, with their mind. And that's where a lot of NFL guys just fail is, they have the wrong mentality. And, I mean, yeah, Jared Goff, 
he was the guy for the Rams that could just barely get him to the top of that hump. And Matthew Stafford just took him down, rolled past it, and just kept the team rolling. So the first thing we're going to talk about on this podcast is the interesting thing I've seen in the Athletic. It's Colton Pouncey. He was he was one of the uh, guys who was asked about his team that he covers. Obviously, he covers the Lions for the Detroit Lions for the Athletic. And he had an interesting comparison to DeAndre Swift. But I'm going to read you what he wrote, and then I'll give you an opinion. He wrote, can DJ Chark rebound with the Lions? And is DeAndre Swift the new Austin Eckler? Whoa. So he writes, Jared Goff and Shark showed building chemistry in training camp, particularly throws downfield. In the practices leading up to the Lions scrimmage at Fort Field, Shark put on a show every day and followed it up with a trio of impressive catches downfield. Granted, some of that might be because of a, a, a suspect secondary, but Shark has been impressive. As for, the, as for Swift, the Lions would love to put it all together in year three. I'd hesitate to put him on Eckler's level, but the traits are there to get it done. He just has to do it. Now, I don't understand where uh, Colton's coming from in the Austin Eckler comparison, because if you really want a real comparison to DeAndre Swift, that comparison is Alvin Kamara. You know, Alvin Kamara is a guy who can run the ball. Um, he's a guy who can catch the ball in the backfield. He's, he's an elite NFL weapon. Um, and when you look at DeAndre Swift, you know, he hasn't put it all together. He hasn't been that guy that you expected him to be. When you watch Georgia football and you're watching DeAndre Swift, you're like, man, this kid could be really, really special at the next level. He's got to Detroit. He's struggled with injuries. He's had a little bit of uh, bumps along the road. But the talent is there to be a, an elite weapon. Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, you can't go wrong. Those are two elite guys. But DeAndre Swift needs to put it all together in year three. You know, he has no excuses. This is a roster that is put together really, really well by Brad Holmes. You think about the offensive line, it's going to have Pinay Sewell on the right tackle, Taylor Decker on the left tackle. The guard is going to be uh, Jonah Jackson and Vitae. Uh, and then the center is Ragnall. Those are, th- those are five good offensive linemen. And then if you have issues with depth, you don't have really have those issues with depth. You're getting a guy like uh, Evan Brown, who can come in if Frank Ragnow gets hurt. You know, there's there's many opportunities that the Detroit Lions have uh, to stay to stay building, uh, even if even if injuries do come to play, because you know you know injuries will come to play, and I just think that listen, there's no way that the Lions have uh, there's no reason for the Lions to be underperforming this year. Literally no reason. If they underperform, you know, we were, I was talking with Joshua Cade from the Honolulu Fan Cave, and he was talking about, you know, if the Lions underperform, it's all because of golf. And in a portion, I do agree with him. But in a portion, I think, I think like, you, you can't be so hesitant. I think golf is a huge role. I think he plays a huge role. If he's good passing the ball, um, that could be very interesting for the Detroit Lions going forward. But let's just be honest. Like, this is a good team. It's a good offense. It's a suspect defense for the most part. But when you look at the roster, there's a lot of uh, good players on the roster. There's a lot of um, guys who can really play well. Um, It'll be interesting how the Detroit Lions move forward. Uh, with with this team, uh, obviously you want to see them get better week by week by week by week by week. But the first two games are very very critical for the Detroit Lions moving forward. You know you, you're you're going to have a guy uh, like you're going to have you're going to have guys like Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz coming into into the fold. This is a huge huge game, uh, two games for the Detroit Lions because if they can be good. It could really bode well for their success moving forward as a team. If they can get off into a 2-0 start, that could really bode well for their success. Going into the 2020, you know, 2022 season, you're looking for them to just get off to a fast start. 
You have to beat the Eagles. They have to beat the Commanders. You got the Seahawks on the schedule in your first five games. Those should be three wins. You have to go three and two at least. At least go three and two. But, you know, the DJ Chark connection, that's a really good connection because, you know, the one thing about DJ Chark is he plays a really um, – he's a, he's a physical guy. He's a tall, speedy guy. Um, I lo- I would love to see if DJ Chark can be that guy um, um, with 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 with, with um, Amin Brown, and when Jamison Williams comes back, that opens up a door where you're gonna you can't double everybody. So someone is gonna be the is gonna be um, is gonna get the uh, help of being not double covered. Because you got to think about it. When James Williams come back, they're going to put a safety over the top. They're going to try to double him. They're not going to give him much room. And, and then they're going to have to do that with that DJ Chark if he gets off to a good start. They're going to have to do that with Amin Rossi Brown because he's such a smart runner. TJ Hawkinson is another guy who has to have a good 2022 year. We called the pounds and said about DJ Chark. Yes, I think that could happen. They have a chemistry. They have built them enough reps in practice to um, play. But when you look at the Detroit Lions and you look at the wide receiver group, it's a really talented group. Quintess Cephas is your, one of your 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 depth guys. Khalif Raymond, those are good depth guys. Those are, there is a guy, those are guys that can help you um, get down the field, make plays, do things like that. That'll be interesting for the Detroit Lions moving forward. But what Colton Powell said about Austin Eckler, and in comparison to DeAndre Swift, I lean more Kamara because I think DeAndre Swift has a little bit of more toughness inside when he runs. Ossackler's a guy who, if you give him out in space, he's going to be really, really deadly. I think he's one of the faster guys in the league. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Detroit Lions do in the first part of the 2022 season because if they can get off to a good start, that could be both really, really well for the Detroit Lions in 2022. After our next segment, where we're, we're going to be talking about uh, Gary Gramling's predictions about the NFC North. It's interesting because it has the Lions finishing second. So fin- follow me along to the next segment. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! They did it! Now in our next segment, we have the NFC North preview from Gary Gramling of Sports Illustrated. He gives a really good. Uh, the best case, worst case scenario for each team in the NFC North. And it's interesting where the Lions are. They're pretty high up, and he has made a, with a winning record. So we'll get to that. But first, let's get to the Packers. He talks about the Packers. He says the best, you know, the worst case for the Packers is that Aaron Rodgers plays at an all-MVP level again. Uh, the defense is pretty good, dominant, and, and they get it done in the postseason with Rodgers and the Lombardi and for the first time in 11 years. That's a stretch, but I could see it because Aaron Rodgers is such a good player. I think that he's going to really um, play his ass off this year because people are doubting him because they lost Avante Adams. I think that he's going to be totally off and ready to go uh, week one. The worst-case scenario for the Green Bay Packers, it's new receiver struggle, leaving Rodgers frustrated. The defense meme is by Andrews once again. The Packers limp into the postseason as NFC North champs but lose a playoff game in Lambeau for the third straight year. He has them at 11 and 6, first in the division. Now we go to the number two team, which is your Detroit Lions. He says he has them at 9 and 8. This is best case. Goff looks reborn as the Lions shred defenses with their array of offensive weapons, while the defense is still a work in progress. It is opportunistic enough to create 25 takeaways up from 19 last year. The franchise earns its first playoff berth since, 19, since 2016. <laughs> feels like 1999 or whatever. I mean, the shorelines have not been good. But if that does happen, where they up the tor- turnover, uh, opportunistic defense, that could be that could really bode well for the Lions. I think that the Detroit Lions offense is going to be really, really good this year. I think what you see with the, the offensive line, the athleticism, the wide receivers, you're going to get Jameson Williams back in the middle of the year, which is going to help you because when you go into the middle of the year, there's a couple tough teams that you'll play like the Packers, like the the Bills. The, do you look at the rest of that schedule, the Vikings, all that stuff? There's not many good teams. Like the Jets aren't going to be good. Um, the Giants probably aren't going to be good. 
So you look at that. You look at that that schedule going down the stretch, playing the Bears again at home. That bodes well for the Detroit Lions if they get the nine. It's uh, the the uh, record that Gary Grambling is is projecting at nine and eight. The worst case scenario is the offense merely treads water while the young defense too often breaks. After early stumbles, the team loses some of its fighting spirit and realizes it needs a new quarterback to truly thrive. Campbell keeps his job, but enters 2023 in the hottest of seats. See, if the Detroit Lions are not good, does it bode well for the future of the Detroit Lions? Yes, because they can get a quarterback, but it depends how bad they were. You know, if they're just bad enough to where they get that eighth, ninth overall pick, it doesn't bode well for them. I mean, they're not going to get that top quarterback. Um, they're not going to get Will Anderson. They're going to be in purgatory. So if they're going to be, if that's the worst that they can be is the eighth, ninth slot, um, you got to think about it like this. The best case scenario for the Detroit Lions is that Goff does well. If Goff does well, that really bodes well for the Detroit Lions moving forward. Because if Goff is good, you don't have to worry about picking a quarterback next year. You can kind of you can kind of push that can down the road, keep Goff. You add to that defense. You have two first-round picks to add to that defense. There's a lot of good defensive talent next year in the draft. And if you can add the talent into the draft from the for the defensive portion, you really start your you really start ascending towards the next level. Um, so that's the best case scenario, for my opinion, is that Goff does good. If Goff does good, I'll get to the, my predictions. I have my predictions. Um, but I think that Goff has to be good. He has to be good. If he's good, this is good for the Detroit Lions. If he's bad and they're just they're eighth, they're sitting eighth or ninth overall, they can't get Bryce Young, they can't get CJ Stroud, that really sucks. It'll really, really suck for the Detroit Lions because those are two of the top guys. I mean, Will Levis, he looks pretty decent. Um, Tyler Van Dyke looks pretty decent. But in the mirage of Detroit Lions football, the best-case scenario is that Jared Goff does well. And the best-case scenario is that they actually have a good season this year. A 9-8 record would be really, really good for the Detroit Lions. Then you build on it. You keep Jared Goff. Jared Goff staying with the team. You add some defensive talent in the NFL draft with your two first-round picks. You can just keep adding talent, accumulating talent. And then if down the line, if it doesn't pan out and Goff regresses, you can use you can, you can jump into the trade market like the Denver Broncos did, like the LA Rams did with Stafford. You can jump back into that market and get a quarterback that can take you over the hump. But the best-case scenario for next year is that the Detroit Lions are – better because they'll make the Detroit Lions better because they can add other pieces to the roster instead of just focusing on a quarterback. It's going to be interesting the way it rolls down. I mean, obviously, if you're talking about best-case scenario, it's said that Jared Goff plays well. If you're talking about worst-case scenario, it's Jared Goff plays just decent. They get the eighth or over the eighth or ninth overall pick, and then they're picking a, a player in the, in the middle of that top, at the end of the top ten that probably isn't as good as Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Willie Anderson. I mean, if you're going to be bad, just be bad. And that's what that's what I say about the Lions. I think if they're just bad, that's even better. Because if they're good, just be good. There's no middle ground. Don't get stuck in that 11 to 12, 13 range. That's never good for anybody. But it's going to be interesting the way the Detroit Lions kind of progress themselves through the 2022 season. The schedule sets up as a really easy schedule. Really easy schedule. The Gary Grambling article is the Minnesota Vikings 7 and 10. Um, you know, it's I could see that with their defense. Um, it's the secondary is older. Um, the defense is a little bit older. You know, the injuries are going to play a part in Minnesota season. Uh, Chicago Bears. He has three and fourteen. I, I totally agree with this. I think, I think the Chicago Bears are one of the worst teams in the NFL. I, I feel bad for Justin Fields. I think that Justin Fields is just a he's a he's a dog. He's a dog. He plays really really well, and he's going to be a good guy a guy to um, 
push forward, but but that Chicago Bears team is just awful. I could see them being one of the worst teams in the NFL, and I could definitely see them picking at the top of the NFL draft. And if you're the Detroit Lions and you think that you're going to get a top overall pick, think again, because the Chicago Bears are probably going to lose twice to you. They're going to be an awful, awful team. It's going to be interesting the way that, that they go out about that, but it'll be interesting how they do that. But Chicago is just, they're, they're going to be awful. I feel bad for Justin Fields. I feel bad that his, his, his offensive line is probably going to get him killed. Uh, I feel bad for his his, his his weapons that he has. When your best weapon is Darnell Mooney. Oof. Talk about talk about a, just a, a franchise putting you in a bad position uh, to lose your job. It's horrible. But, yeah, so the Detroit Lions, they're, they're picked to go second in the division by Gary Gramling. And, and listen, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I'm going to get to my predictions in a few but uh, I really do think the Detroit Lions have the uh, team to get better and be play at a you know all pro level. I think that guys like Frank Wright now, Taylor Decker, and Penny Sewell, I think they're really going to excel. I think they're going to they're going to really put their NFL on notice, and I really think that that's going to lead to good things for the offense. DeAndre Swift, Jared Goff, I think that they're going to have time to throw, time to run, pass to run. It's going to be interesting to see what the Detroit Lions do with their team moving forward. So we will get to the next segment where I will give my predictions for the season. I have a Brad Holmes clip of what Brad Holmes did right. Um, what Brad Holmes did right when he was cutting Tim Boyle and, and Dave Blau uh, and Tom Kennedy and Trinity Benson. It was kind of, I put on YouTube, but you'll get that as a bonus segment. We have the Joshua Cade interview. We'll play that too. Um, all that's all coming up on Detroit Lions News podcast. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! They did it. Now we go to the most polarizing topic of the Detroit Lions News podcast for this year. And when I was thinking about the pr- predictions for the Detroit Lions, I sat there and go. I sat there and went, "Are they improved? Yes. They were. How much have they improved? A little bit." How much have the teams ahead of them, like the Bears, like the Vikings, how much have they regressed? And then when you look at the Detroit Lions, what's the matchup disadvantages that they could display against the Vikings, the Bears, the Packers? Now, I told you before with Gary Gramling's article, the one thing I do see with the Detroit Lions is they can pose a matchup nightmare for the teams like the Vikings, for the teams like the Bears, who don't have the best of offensive lines, I can see that the you know the Lions can pose a disadvantage there. Now, where the place that I'm worried about is the secondary, um, that back, the DBs. I'm 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 really worried about those those guys. But I think if you have a good pass rush, I think that could help up the secondary. And if Jeff Okuda is just good. That could really bode well for the Detroit Lions in the 2022 season. So you're asking, what do you think about the predictions that you're going to give? I think it's kind of a bold take. I do. I have the Detroit Lions going 9-8, which means they're above 500 team by one game. But here's the thing. They're second in the NFC North. I think with the Minnesota Vikings, the how old – some of those players are in the secondary. Uh, the age of that, that defense, I think that's going to really not help them uh, going through this whole season. You know, so you, play, you play 17 games now. You know, the Detroit Lions are the youngest team in the NFL. I could see where youth really plays a factor in the Detroit Lions being a good team. Because a lot of the players that they're going to be getting, the Romeo Quares, the Jamison Williams, the Josh Pascals, the Jerry Jacobs, they're going to get here when you're hoping that the Detroit Lions have a winning record. Like Jerry Jacobs, he's going to miss the first four games. You're hoping in those first four games that maybe the Detroit Lions have a a three and three, a three and one record, two and two at the worst. But you have to go three and two in those first five. You have to think about what, where is the, the you know the depth going to come in, 
And how are the Detroit Lions going to push themselves over the top? And when you look at the Detroit Lions, when you get Jamison Williams back in week uh, seven, eight, nine, whatever, whatever it is, he's going to be an added bonus for the Detroit Lions with the speed that he's going to detail when he gets in the, the wide receiver room, and he's in the same um, he's going to be in the same realm with DJ Chark, uh, Amra, Josh Reynolds, TJ Hawkinson. It's a matchup nightmare for the defenses. You look at Jared Goff, he has to play better. He has to get better. And if he is better, you're talking about a guy who could potentially be a guy who could be your franchise quarterback moving forward. Now, I know people are saying, why, why, why? The Detroit Lions need to be bad. I don't believe that. So let's let's look at the reality of the situation. Like I said in the last one, if your your worst case scenario is you have, you're picking eighth, ninth, tenth, are you really getting the best uh, quarterback in the draft? No, you're not. You're not getting Bryce Young. You're not getting C.J. Stroud. Maybe an Anthony Richardson. It goes up in the top five. Um, Will Levis. We'll see how he goes. But it's early. Don't base your hope on a quarterback because as we seen last year. With the quarterbacks, all those quarterbacks had crappy seasons. There was only one quarterback picked in the first round, and that was Kenny Pickett. So, so don't do that. It's just it, it. You have to think about what would make the most sense for the Detroit Lions moving forward, and that is by them being a great team, this a good team this year with Jared Goff actually playing really, really well. So, my predictions. I had the Detroit Lions going nine and eight with with being second in the North. I think their best player is going to be Jared Goff. I think he is going to really, really solidify himself as a guy who could uh, potentially be your franchise quarterback moving forward. I think that he's going to get back to a little bit of middle ground of what he had last year and what he had in LA in 2018. I really do think that he's going to take that next step. I think he's more comfortable in the offense. You've seen some of the throws he made in training camp. He's going to be a guy who can help you um, just he's gonna he's gonna push the ball downfield more this year. I just have a feeling when Jamison Williams gets back, that's gonna really take this this team to the next level. And when you look at that back portion of the schedule, besides the Buffalo Bills game and the Green Bay Packers game, all those games are winnable because they're, they're the teams that they play are really not that great. Um, so for my best defensive player, uh, I mean for my breakout player, I have Ali McNeil. Now, Lee McNeil, I, I, I profiled him early in the offseason. I said that, you know, he's going to be a guy that could be a potential superstar. When you look at Lee McNeil, it's easy to see why. He was a former uh, baseball player. He's an athlete. He's a very, very good athlete. And being that big, being that uh, athletic, that really bodes well for the defense. Now he's got Aiden Hutchinson on his side, Charles Harris on his side. When Romeo Aquara comes uh, back from injury, they'll have a really good stable defensive end. So Josh Pascal will get in that rotation. That will be really good for Ily McNeil because he's not going to be getting doubled as much. You know, eventually you're going to see Aiden Hutchinson getting doubled. You're going to see Charles Harris getting doubled. And that's where Lee McNeil, I think, is going to really eat, eat, eat. And um, I just think the Lee, Lee McNeil is the guy that you're – a lot of people are dismissing because, you know, I, I know a lot of guys like uh, – they want Levi Enrique to be the, the good player, the best player, because he was, he was, you know, picked in the second round. But when you look at Lee McNeil and you look at Levi Enrique, they're two different players. Le, Levi is more of a pass rusher. Um, if you were playing in a 3-4, he would be a defensive end. Um, I don't see him as a, a – I see him as a rush, a kind of like a rush defensive tackle, pass rush defensive tackle. I don't see him as a guy who could be an all every, you know, uh, three-down – uh, defensive tackle like Aleem. Um, so we move on to our, my best offensive player. Obviously, I have uh, Jared Goff. I think he's going to be the best offensive player. I think the, the offense really moves for Jared Goff. If the offense isn't good, it's because Jared Goff hasn't been good. Jared Goff is insanely key to the season. If he picks it up to where he was in 2018 and he gets that middle ground between 2018 and last year, I really think that Jared Goff can you know, push his team up into contention uh, if he plays that way. My best defensive player is Aiden Hutchinson. I think if Aiden Hutchinson, you know, 
listen, Aiden Hutchinson, he's got a mortar. He's going to work hard. He's going to give you really, really good uh, play out of him. It's going to be insane, but Aiden Hutchinson, I think, could contend for Defensive Rookie of the Year. I really do. I think that this kid is phenomenal. You've seen it in some of the plays in preseason where, you know, it obviously it's preseason, but he just has a mortar. He, he He's going to get a lot of holding penalties. He's just got a knack for getting to the ball. And I really do think that Aiden Hutchinson is the guy to watch if, if you're a Lions fan because, listen, he, he's he if he's your best defensive player and he gets, let's say he gets eight, nine sacks in his rookie year, that's really good. And I think that will bode well for the defense, especially the secondary, um, because that secondary is my biggest weakness to defensive backs. Um, how does Jeff Okuda come back? How does Awari come back? After his good year last year, Deshaun Elliott, I think he could be good. Tracy Walker, he's shown he could be a good safety, but I expect more from him this year. You're going to get Jerry Jacobs back in game five. Um, Chase Lucas, he, he made the team. He kind of has a knack for getting to the ball, so that's going to be interesting. But that secondary is what I worry about, and that's why I say if Aiden Hutchinson is rookie of the year in that rookie of the year conversation, I really do think the Detroit Lions can take that next step, and he could be, you know, obviously the secondary would, would bode the benefits from Aiden getting to the, the pass, you know, getting to the, the quarterback, getting to the running back. It really bodes well because that quarterback's not going to have the time. He's going to get the ball out, out of his hands. He's more and more earlier than he really wants to. And if you talk to anybody, any quarterback ever that's ever played the game, the one thing that a quarterback really does not like is getting the ball out of his hands before he's ready. And there's only a couple of quarterbacks in the NFL that really can, can deal with that. Obviously, the biggest strength to the Detroit Lions is the offensive line. If, you, if you've been following this team, the offensive line is really, really good. They have a lot of fantastic uh, – they have a lot of fantastic, strong – they're just going to be – they're going to be bulldogs. When you, that team is going to be so hard to be uh, on the defensive side. If you're if you're playing the, the Lions offensive line, you're going to have to bring your lunch pail because that those, those guys, the Ragnows, the Jacksons, the Deckers, the Sewells, the Vitais, those guys are physical and they're dogs and they will beat you to oblivion. And that's what I like about this Detroit Lions team. I think that if they can control time of possession, that could really bode well for the Detroit Lions in the 2022 season to control time of possession, get the play action to work, and you could really push yourself and do the next, the next, you know, staple. The most important player, I think that this for this year, and this is where we're going to end it, is Jared Goff. Jared Goff is insanely the most important player for this Detroit Lions team in 2022. If Jared Goff is good, it opens up pathways to where, you don't have to take a quarterback next year. You could take two defensive ta- – you could take a defensive end. You could take a cornerback. You could take a linebacker. It opens up so many opportunities for the Detroit Lions in the 2023 draft. When we talk about Detroit, when we talk about Jared Goff, it's just insane to think about it. That there's people that actually think that if you if Jared Goff does bad, it's good for the Detroit Lions. The best case scenario is if Jared Goff does good, you don't have to draft a quarterback. There's a less than 50% hit rate on a quarterback. If you're the Detroit Lions, if you're Jared Goff, it's a huge year for you. If Jared Goff is good, he could really push himself into the next next stable of, uh, uh, of a franchise quarterback. And I think that him being the guy that he was last year, the leader in the unfortunate situation that he's at was in last year where the talent wasn't as great around him, the injuries mounted and he just, he put together a good year. And as soon as he got past that, you know, uh, week eight, week nine, he really became a different quarterback. He got developed a connection with Amara St. Brown and Josh Reynolds came in the fold and you've seen him kind of take off. I expect the same kind of thing from uh, Jared Goff in this year. I think that if, the, having a play-action game, having the run game is really going to bode well for him. He's a guy who needs a play-action pass. I think that the Detroit Lions have the guy, have the dogs 
to build that play action pass to get the play action pass and, and go downfield. It's going to be up to Jared if he if he's if he's up to it. And if Jared's up to it and they play a really really good game, the Detroit Lions are going nine and eight. I'm confident of it. You you talk about nine and eight. You talk about uh, you know. Is that a good record? Well, that would get you into the playoffs, in my opinion, because this look, you look at this NFC NFC uh, conference. There's only three, two teams that you say, yep, they're for sure going to the playoffs. The rest is up for debate. I mean, with Dallas losing Tyron Smith, which is a huge injury, you have players, you have teams that are just not that good. It's Detroit can really, if. If you can control the line of scrimmage on the offensive line, you can run the ball, you can take the play-action game, pass the ball around. That could be very, very huge for Detroit. Just play time of possession. That's the biggest thing. When you talk about the Detroit Lions, you talk about the, you talk about this team moving forward and what they have to do to get to that point, it starts with running the ball. It starts with playing well. It starts with dominating at the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. If Aleem McNeil takes the next step, that could be absolutely huge for the Detroit Lions moving forward because that would mean that you have two lines, your offense and defensive line, that are the staple of your team, and that could bode well for your success. Now, if Jared Goff plays the way he played at the end of the season, there's no doubt they will be a better team and they could be in the playoff contention at 9-8. Because the way Jared Goff played at the end of the year, that was a different Jared Goff than we've seen earlier in the year. And I think that he's got more comfortable in the system. You you watch Hard Knocks, you, could, you can kind of see that they're excited about him when they were doing that. They're, they're talking in their, their meetings. Um, I'm excited about Jared Goff. I think that he could have a really good season. And I think if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you have to be excited about what the possibilities could be if Jared Goff has a great year and you don't have to pick a quarterback next year in the draft. Now, season's coming. We are going to be talking about, you know, the we're going to be talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, probably Thursday I'll release a video on YouTube. We'll do a preview of their offense and defensive uh, team. Uh, at, on the Philadelphia Eagles and kind of give you a preview of the Detroit Lions versus Philadelphia Eagles. The game is the games are coming, guys. One week away, we are recording on a Sunday. This would be post game. It would be post game because we're recording a little bit later. Um, but it's going to be interesting next this year. Eagles next week. We'll see if the Detroit Lions can step it up and and win their first game against the Philadelphia Eagles next week. So we will keep you in tune. We'll probably have a podcast before that, breaking down the Philadelphia Eagles, the Detroit Lions. Um, so stay with us, subscribe to the, the podcast, and we will keep you entertained throughout the whole football season. Football season's here, guys. Go Lions.